everyone to another Friday episode of Dismantling Something. And today we're going to dismantle why there's a lack of humanity at the workplace. Well, I've got a brilliant, brilliant guest today. I've got Cherise on my show today, and she is a huge advocate of powering humanity. So let me bring this beautiful human on. Welcome, Cherise. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Mila. Hi. Well, no, thank you for taking the time in being here. I'm really, really excited to speak with you. I'm really excited about your t shirt. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I honestly, I'm excited about it too. Um, Humanity Power is amazing. If you want, I can tell you a few, few bits about it. Yes, please. Okay, so um, Humanity Power started when I when I started doing a, a workshop called How to Become a Racist, where I talked about from birth to racism around some of the topics that were going on over the last few months. And so I did this three-part series, and I talked about the, uh, the history of racism, the genesis of where it started, Um, and just different components got into stereotypes, biases. And then I talked about the vibration of of racism. And I said, when we are, uh, when racism happens, we are in low vibration of our humanity, which means we're using the uh, negative side of our humanity. But to solve it, we use our high vibration of our humanity, love, kindness, all of those good feelings and things that we have as humans. And, um, that concept really resonated with the people that took the workshop. And after the workshop, I was like, okay, so what can I do to take this message further? Um, And I came up with the idea of humanity power because there are, there's white power, there's black power, both. I'm just like, okay, you know, they mean they're different things, but what about humanity power? Because racism and is not a black and white issue. It's a humanity issue. Um, as we look at the other isms that plague our humanity, we can solve it with our humanity. So I created humanity power and my husband points it out that the word unity is in the word humanity. So I decided to light the shirts up with, uh, different colors and I have, uh, four different styles. I have a classic that's just an all white, uh, humanity power. Um, this one is truthful teal. So it represents um, communication and love. And I have an amplified orange, which is relationships and creativity. And then I have respect the rainbow, which is to represent all of the colors within our humanity. And so when you wear this shirt, you are representing the high vibration of our humanity to end the isms that plague our humanity. So I will wear this shirt seven days a week, 365 days a year to just remind myself, um, operate from that high vibration of humanity. And I've already started to see myself just reflect when I'm driving or if I'm interacting with someone, remember what I'm representing, which is the high vibe of our humanity, which we all need to bring us the unity to solve these issues. I love it. Oh my God, I absolutely love it. That's unity in humanity, yes. right? And that's power in it. Oh my God, that's that's amazing. I'm going to get one of your t-shirts. Thank you, thank you. I love that, thank you. No, no, you're welcome. So let's dive in, shall we? So today we're going to be talking about 
uh, why, you know, why humanity? Why should there be humanity at the workplace? But mm-hmm. for a start, let's define what humanity is. So from your perspective, Cherise, what is humanity? Yes, so when I think about humanity, I like to define it as um, we're humans and there's great parts of us and then there's parts of us that are not so great. And um, they they um, compile different responses and actions and feelings and emotions. And you separate humanity, our humanity, by negative or positive. And so we are um, essentially a collection of those actions. And so when I think about humanity in itself, it's choosing which action I'm going to be today. How am I going to show up as a human today? Am I going to be a kind human? Am I going to be an egotistical human? Am I going to be a loving human? And every one of those um, attributes of humanity is a choice. Each one of them we can choose. And that's what I look at as defining humanity. I love it. Uh, I absolutely love it. And you mentioned that we absolutely have a choice, right? And that's so true. And that's so real. And it's it's amazing how when we talk about we have a choice, the whole concept of having a choice is is introduced to us, right? Being being a baby or being a child, all these concepts of being cruel or vibrating at a high level of love, compassion, empathy, right? It comes naturally to us when we see other people reciprocate or and we mirror it. But at the same time, a child vibrates at a low level of anger, rejection, when the child is introduced to those negative energies, right? Like repulsion, fighting with each other, calling each other names, and saying you're not welcomed in this space. So that's such a beautiful way of putting that we all have a choice. And I absolutely agree with that. And and I want to talk, talk a little bit about, you know, because in a world right now, like humanity is just not localized in in the United States. It's not a localized issue. The lack of humanity, uh, it, it's like a global. You know, COVID is a pandemic. I'm going to say the lack of humanity is an epidemic that we're facing. Mm. It can be war. It can be you know mm. segregation. It can be uh, poverty in different forms, yeah. right? But yeah. let's bring it down into the workplace yes because i always tell people a human spends 70 to 80 percent of their awake time yes at the workplace yes so let's explore a little bit about why is humanity missing at the workplace it has been missing for years since the war era so let's talk a little bit about that yeah, I'm glad that you bring that up. My my thought, this is this is my thought, just some from my observation. Um, if I were to take my grandfather's grandfather and looked at looked at his trade, he would have worked that. He would have probably gone to the army, got out, and worked a trade until he retired and died. And the workplace was designed for that. It was designed for you to work the same job until you essentially retired or died. And Mm -hmm. I think that that method of business was very transactional. It was, you bring them in, they do the job, clock out, you go home, 
you make your living, you go back. And it was just, there was just that, that repetition uh, going on, I would say back in those days. And a lot of that methodology has, has funneled into our current state. And what I've noticed is um, even when they implemented HR, human resources, it was designed to kind of keep the people at bay and protect the business. And it wasn't really this um, warm sensation of people ops that we, we are creating today. So I would say that the reason why humanity is lacking in the workplace is because we have this business business model that tells us that it's business and that's it. It's profit, it's business and everything else it doesn't pertain in this bubble, but unless you are um, selling to or selling or your customer is a robot or you're building something for a robot, you are dealing with a human. And so I think that lack of humanity comes from just a um, archaic methodology of business that doesn't really see humans in the works in the workplace. They see like, numbers in the workplace and how those numbers translate into profits. I love, I love what you just said. So, <laughs> okay. So many points I want to talk about. Okay. So let's talk about the business model first, okay. right? Where people talk about, oh, it, it, this is the business model. This is what we're building. Uh, it's, you know, it's for profit and we hire you, we're paying you. Yes. And there's a post <laughs> I did today. There's a post that I did on Twitter today, you know, just because someone is salaried does not mean they have got to work for more than eight hours. Just because you're paying someone hourly does not mean that you need to squeeze every inch of them for them to slog like a dog, yeah. right? But again, let's look at the business model. A lot of organizations are so kind to the customers, to the paying customers, right? They're so kind that they want to retain their customers. They want to be, yeah. um, they want to go above and beyond for their customers, but they're forgetting their internal customers who are the people, <laughs> people <laughs> contributing to the success of business. So it's like, where's the dichotomy? In like, like, I want to pull out my hair right now. Uh, so why? <laughs> Why is there such a gap? You can't say I'm for humanity. I want to care for my customers, yeah. my paying customers, and then treat your internal customers whom you are paying and say, I'm paying you. You better do this job. Right. You know, there's this huge gap. Like, like I, I can't wrap my mind around it. So how can we break that paradigm and really introduce that, that love, that heart into yeah. the space? Well, believe it or not, um, the culture will do it for them. Um, what you're seeing now just over the most recent events of the last three months is a culture responding to something that they have felt and needed. Um, and the culture will say, we're leaving. And you'll see that in your retention or your attrition. They'll say, um, we're not engaged and you'll see that in your productivity. So the culture will eventually tell you what it needs. It's just, are you listening to what they're saying? You know, when you were talking, it made me think about, you know, when you were saying um, people are uh, taking care of the customers and, and all of the other things, but not people in-house. It reminds me of this story um, I've been using a lot around this um, missionary 
that goes to this rural tribe in Africa. And he goes there to teach the people about God. And so he's preaching to the people. He's like, God loves you. Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. And a guy stands up and he says, we have no water. He says, do not tell me about a God that loves us and we have no water. And the missionary was like, you're right. Closes his Bible and starts to build these wells in the, in the tribe. You know, companies, some of their people don't have water. They're not seen, heard, witnessed the basics. And the thing around culture, a culture, the people, is they are a survival mechanism within the workplace. Their core uh, focus is to survive. And if you give that culture exactly what it needs to survive, it will do whatever you ask of it. But the minute that survival is is threatened or is inconsistent, the culture starts to uh, go into itself and come up with its own solutions, which usually are opposite of what the business has in mind. And so if you think about uh, you know, how you get humanity in the workplace, it's really being uh, people-centric and saying, okay, that doesn't mean you have to lavish your people with everything. I do believe that there is a balance. The, your people must bring 50% and you must bring the others. And um, it really does come down to making sure that your people are taken care of. They have water. Once they have water, you can build on that. The culture will start to navigate in the way that you need it to be. And your business will be successful. And humanity is the baseline, the foundation for all of that. I love that you mentioned culture, <laughs> right? <laughs> because culture, I look at culture being very synonymous to an ecosystem. Yes. Right. If one facet of our ecosystem collapses. Yes. Everything else is is related. It's it's it, it is correlated, right? One to, if let's say, for example, we wipe out the bees, which we are having a shortage of bees right now, and if bees collapse, absolutely are wiped out. You know, like different plants will be wiped out, and if different plants are wiped out, different like birds, right. whoever eats plants will be wiped out as well and that creates a ripple effect or a chain reaction right right and we're not even realizing that and talking about culture let's touch on culture for a little bit okay. i am not a fan i'm not not a fan of the narrative of culture fit you, know, mm. good fit. you do not fit in here that eliminates that eliminates inclusion diversity yes. that yes. eliminates the possibility of an ecosystem yes and that eliminates humanity power so let's talk about a little bit about culture fit and and you know oh we have happy hour so you know it will hmm. it, it's a good benefit but happy hour is not a benefit Ping pong tables are not a benefit. Free lunch is not a benefit. Free dinner is not a benefit. Why are you even having free dinner to begin with when your people should be going home and relaxing? Right. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you bring up a great point. You know, I think about um, uh, someone told me once, I don't need to fit. I already belong. And, you know, culture fit, uh, I think, really came from I saw it a lot in the 2012 kind of 
booming of different startups and ecosystem around that, where, you know, we want to make sure this person is a fit for our culture. And when people say that, they don't even know, they don't even know the basis of what culture was. So um, when you look at, I like to look at culture or just the conversation um, as I study cultures and religions and tribes, as let's say this is an island and um, your island is moving as it should be. You want people that can add to that island. You don't necessarily want people that can fit into your island because then they won't be able to contribute in the ways that the island needs. And they will be able to, an ad is, is a lot more inclusive. Um, it carries a lot more uh, diversity in terms of what they can bring to the table. An ad is something that's filling a gap that you don't even know that you have. And a fit is very reactive, um, um, low vibration, uh, I can only see you for right now. An ad is I can see I can see you for more than what you are now and where you're going to be and do and enrich and empower. It's it's more invested in the human element of culture, which is what it really needs. I love that. Lo I love what is happening to my pronunciation today. I love, I love that you mentioned about the ad element of a culture, yeah. right? And and I want to add to that as well. It's like a culture evolves, yes. right? It, it's, it's like you need to add at the same time. You need to debit whatever is not working right. anymore. It's just like I always go back to your cupboard, right? Your, all your clothes, yeah. like. Our body changes. If a cloth, if a dress is not fitting me anymore, I'm not just going to keep it in my closet anymore. I'm going to like throw it out right. because it does not bring value anymore. Right. At the same time, I'm going to add something that brings value, right. meaning that it's going to protect me from the elements. It's going to fit me properly, and that's exactly how I see culture. It needs to evolve in order to power that humanity. Right back to your point about. When we add something, we need to debit out. It's like you can't have hmm. keep on adding goodness, goodness, and still have low vibrational facets of a culture present, because when you vibrate at higher energy, low energy tends to bring it down as well. So we need to be conscious of how do we debit things that does not work and and change, and that contributes to change, right? right. And and change is not welcomed really well. A lot of people are not fans of positive change because to them, it kind of like intimidates them and pushes oh. them out of their comfort zone. So let's talk a little bit about how can we bring high vibrational humanity power to yeah. bring psychological safety to people yeah. who are vibrating at low energy levels. Yeah, I once heard that um, change happens in the brain, not in the behavior, right? Change happens in the cerebellum, not in the circumstances. And I think what is interesting, um, most people actually are really great at change, to be honest. We change our clothes, we change our shoes, we change our undergarments, hopefully. <laughs> um, um, I love that you did <laughs> yes. We change our hairstyles. Um, it's the transition that really derail us 
from actually reaching that goal. And um, for change to actually happen, here's the, you know, it, it really does go back to very, very holistic, low to the ground type of thing. In order for change to even be cultivated, embraced, um, a vision must be set. And most people, when they think of culture, there is no vision for their culture other than we want a healthy culture or we want a culture that everyone can be a part of. But there's there's not a, there hasn't been a vision which will empower everything around you to, to go after that vision, which aligns with humanity. If you can say, this is my vision for the culture and your 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 culture will be like, I'm more open to changing because I see the vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, you cannot hit any goals. And it just kind of flails around. And with and when that flails around, like you mentioned, it's an evolving thing. It's really challenging to go against that, that evolution and go against the natural impact of change. So having that vision is very guiding. Um, a vision of humanity, I believe, is very simple within the culture because we can separate what is high vibration, high energy, um, um, high humanity, positive humanity from what is negative. We know what that looks like. We know what it feels like. We know what it looks like. And um, it's just a matter of incorporating that into decision making, incorporating that into hiring, incorporating that into how you communicate with with someone, um, respect, honesty, uh, and and but you you mentioned debit, and I'm like, in order for that to happen, though, you must lower and put aside the ego, the apathy, self preservation. Um, you do have to exchange it for something because you can't operate from a negative positive and expect it to be received well. So I think those are some of the the thoughts. I have around like that that change process. It really does uh, start in in the brain with that vision, you know, and then it funnels into the behavior. But most people are trying to attack the behavior first, where it's really in the brain. And um, one thing about the brain is it really, um, you know, we have three brains. They say, and that feeling of humanity speaks to at least two of them, I believe. And I think that is how you really start to um, embrace and navigate that change. I love that you mentioned uh, three brains, and that's so true. And change does start in the brain. Um, it does not happen in the behavior because let's, I'm going to take an example, yep. losing weight. Mm. Yes. right losing losing weight a lot of people say that oh you're lazy you know you need to do it for 30 days and then you'll latch onto the behavior but mm -hmm. your mind to your point Cherise, if your mind is not prepared and if there are certain blockages in your mind saying i can't do it the self-talk the, the narratives that you tell yourself which is in your mind right it's going to prevent you from doing something yes and that is so true because you need to make the decision in your mind and your mind is attached to your heart yes and your heart is attached uh, well I'm, I'm a huge nerd of science so 
So I watch like documentaries like Brain Game and all of those things. Yeah. And I do not know if you know about Naveen Jain, and he talks about there's your other brain, which is your gut. Yes. Uh, your biodome. So it's I believe in all of that, and yeah. that is evident. That is scientific evidence as to how everything is interconnected. Yes. Right? For example, you eat more sugar, it's going to trigger something in your brain. And when you drink alcohol or when you eat certain foods, it's going to trigger something in your brain right. to shut certain parts of your brain down. So I'm with you. <laughs> Change does happen in the month. I just went off tangent, but I yeah, had to like okay. that yeah. net part of me. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. No, absolutely See, right. <laughs> See, now... I know that we are coming towards the end of our show, but we spoke a lot about, you know, what humanity is, you know, why is it missing from our workspace? Um, you know, what can we do to tackle triggering humanity at the workplace? But let's dig a little bit like deeper. Can you give like three tips to our viewers and listeners out there? How can we dismantle the lack of, of humanity power and redesign a space of unconditional love? Yes. Beautiful question. And I have, I, I've, uh, off just my gut, it, it really does start with self-care. You cannot give what you do not have. You cannot, you cannot give from a place of void. And so filling yourself up first is really going to only enrich what you can do for your own humanity and for others. And so I just, um, you know, if you're watching this, like starting with self-care is very key before you tackle anything. V very much like the missionary that went to the tribe in Africa, you need water, right? You need you need that, that essence to be able to take care of any of the larger things that are happening, especially navigating humanity. Um, the, the second thing I would say is just reflecting on that concept of there's two sides to our humanity and asking yourself, which side am I showing up as right now? Am I using my high vibration or my low vibration? And what I usually have is I have words around me. Um, and the workshop I did, I had words that distinguished which was high vibe and which was low vibe. And it actually is very helpful. So if I'm getting irritated and I'm like, okay, which 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 side of my humanity am I using right now? Low vibe? Okay, let me see what I can do to eliminate responding from a low vibration because that usually gets us in a lot of trouble. So I would say reflecting would be the second thing. And the third thing is to practice humanity inside and outside of the workplace. Like this is huge. Um, practicing humanity with your kids, people that you love, yourself, strangers, anywhere you can um, do it is just practicing that humanity because we don't just become a different person the minute we turn on our, our work clock. We are the same exact person when we show up at work and when we are with our families. And so um, practicing humanity will allow that fluidity of the vibration to be able to be present in everything that we do. And everything else will start to come after that. Once the answers to how you solve these biggest problems will come after you do, I believe, those three things and start those in practice. I love that you mentioned about how we are at the workplace, home, and society. And that's 
exactly what we dismantle like hmm. we, we explore culture diversity science from the core yeah. and you hit it right on the nail Sherry. like mila is going to share that's the same person mila is at home in yeah. society and at work you know it's like i'm not going to be mila 5.0 at work and mila 1.0 at home mila is a bloody mila everywhere so i love that you mentioned that so Thank you again for bringing humanity power into tonight's show, how we have to rethink culture because culture is not singular. Culture is always evolving. Culture is always adding and culture is also vibrating at high energy level of love in order to evolve. So thank you, Sherry, for being here. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Follow Sherry on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and please do give this a thumbs up if you like it if you don't like it please don't do anything <laughs> do sub- subscribe to it and we will be back next week to dismantle something else on friday thank you everyone for tuning in thank you and Cherise, for being here you're welcome thank you guys